Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey there, Crimeholics. It's your host, Kenzie, and I am bringing you another episode this week. On this week of Crimeholics, I will be bringing you the missing and murdered Indigenous women case of Hannah Harris. On the evening of July 3rd, 2013, Hannah Harris left her home on the North Cheyenne Reservation in Montana to go watch fireworks with her friends in town. Like other MMIW cases we have covered, Hannah and her family were extremely close. At the time of Hannah's murder, she was just 21 years old with a 10-month-old baby boy named Jeremiah. According to Hannah's family, the night that she was murdered, she had plans to return home. She had no plans of staying out the entire evening. The events that would unfold next would completely shock Hannah's family. According to Hannah's family, she was a very happy, spontaneous girl who had a smile that just beamed when she looked at you. Her cousin stated that she and Hannah grew up together as sisters, and like other MMIW cases that we have covered, that is extremely common. She said that Hannah was the character of the cousin group and she was extremely adventurous. She was always the one coming up with the crazy ideas that would sometimes get them in trouble. Hannah was the one that was always a little wild until shortly after she graduated high school. Right out of high school, Hannah met her new boyfriend named Skylar who she ended up just falling head over heels for. Hannah decided that she wanted to actually move away from the reservation in with her boyfriend down in Billings, Montana in 2012. But not long after Hannah moved down to Billings, Montana with Skylar, she ends up getting pregnant with her son, Jeremiah. Her family stated to the Billing Gazette that they were actually a little worried with Hannah being pregnant, given that she was so young and Hannah was a little wild. They said that they were really shocked at how well Hannah embraced motherhood. They said it was almost as if Hannah was just meant to be a mom. They explained it as if the crazy, adventurous, wild Hannah they knew had just flourished and grew into this amazing mother overnight. Unfortunately, when her son had turned 10 months old, Hannah and her boyfriend Skylar decided that it would be best for their family if they called it quits. Which, I can really understand how that can happen given that they're both very young, they're new parents, Hannah's living far away from family, and there can be a lot of stress put on the both of them. Hannah felt it was best for her and her son if she would move back to the reservation to be with her family so that way she could have the help that she needed to be able to work and take care of her son properly. So Hannah packed her and her son up, moved from Billings back to Lame Deer. When Hannah finally decided to pack up and move back to Lame Deer, this was just nine days prior to the 4th of July celebration. According to the locals there in Lame Deer, the 4th of July celebration is huge and it actually starts the day before the 4th of July on the 3rd. They stated that Lame Deer throws a huge powwow. I have never been to a powwow, obviously, but given that my foster daughter is Native American, I have done a lot of research about her culture and these powwows just 
fascinate me. Like I want to go to one and I want to experience one for her because the environment just seems amazing. There's so much music and everybody's happy and dancing and everybody just looks like they're really enjoying their time. And according to the locals, this is exactly how that powwow was that day for the 4th of July celebration. They stated at these powwows for the 4th of July, thousands of people come to attend them. Not people that just live on the reservation, but people that have moved away from the reservation and were coming back to celebrate. They said there was generation after generation there just having a good time. There was tons of food and music and everybody was dancing and really enjoying their night with their family and friends. Hannah's cousin Manti that she grew up with that stated that she was the wild adventurous girl said that, the night of the 3rd, Hannah was going to go to the powwow. So she ended up getting a babysitter for Jeremiah, which was not like Hannah. When she became a mom, she was all about Jeremiah. She really never left the house to go out with friends or party or anything like that. But given that Hannah had just returned home, she has not been out of the house in a while, she decided to go ahead and get a babysitter. And that babysitter was her uncle Elton. Given that Jeremiah was breastfed by Hannah... She had no plans to stay out all night because eventually Jeremiah was going to run out of the breast milk that he had. However, her cousin Manti said that her and Hannah decided they wanted just to go ahead, have fun, let loose, and so the two of them began drinking together. But Hannah was drinking a lot, like way more than Manti thought she was going to, which was extremely unusual for Hannah after she became a mom. When Hannah would rarely hang out with friends. She wouldn't really drink so that way she could go home, breastfeed Jeremiah, and be able to take care of him. But around 11 p.m. that night, Manti said that Hannah was so gone that they were scared to death to let Hannah drive home. So Manti and one of their mutual friends told Hannah, look, you need to give us your car keys. You can't be driving. Let us drive you home. But Hannah was so insistent on driving herself that an argument actually ended up ensuing between the three of them. Manti stated that this argument actually got pretty heated and it ended up being like a 20 minute argument and Hannah just flat out said, no, I'm not giving you my car keys. No, you're not driving me home. And they all left. That was the last time she had seen Hannah alive. The next morning at 5 a.m. on July 4th, Hannah's mom went right to work at a local gas station on the reservation. Hannah's mom stated that the very first person that stopped in the gas station that morning to grab something had just said to her, hey, are you aware that Hannah's car is parked over on Muddy Creek and it has a flat tire? And according to Hannah's mom, Muddy Creek is kind of a main highway on the reservation, but it's very desolate and it actually is just like a dead end. It does not go anywhere. But this Muddy Creek Road is about a few miles from Hannah's home. Hannah's mom stated the first thought she had was maybe Hannah had a flat tire and she got a ride with somebody that she knows and that she is at their home sleeping off the alcohol and she would hear from her in a few hours. But as time goes on, she starts to hear more and more word that people can't get a hold of Hannah, like her sister or her uncle Elton who had her son, and she really starts to panic. Hannah's sister, who no longer lived on the reservation at this time, had come into town for the 4th of July celebration, but was also having a wedding reception the very next day on the 5th. Hannah's sister could also not get a hold of her, so she went straight to her uncle Elton's where her nephew Jeremiah was. When she got there, Jeremiah was a mess. He was crying, he was really upset, and it's because he needed breast milk and they were really panicking because they didn't have any left and they needed Hannah. 
given that it has been like 18 hours and nobody's heard from Hannah, she's not answering her mom's messages on Facebook, she's not answering her sister's calls or her uncle's calls, her mom decides to go out to Hannah's car. And she states when she gets there, she opens up the car. Nothing seems unusual except for the two flat tires. Given that it is a complete epidemic against Native American women, they were scared to death to open up the trunk because her mom stated in her gut she felt like maybe Hannah's body was inside that trunk. Her mom stated she went around to the back of Hannah's car and she slowly lifted the lid on the trunk. And when she opened it and saw that Hannah was not in the trunk, she had a huge sigh of relief, but also that overwhelming feeling of where is my daughter? Where has she gone and is she alive? As a mother myself of a girl, I could never imagine what that feeling would be like. To have relief that no, my daughter is not in the trunk of her car, but where the hell is she? Although Hannah's mom felt like going to the police was going to be a waste of time, she knew she had to go. Her daughter is missing. Her son is literally starving. She has got to find Hannah. So she goes to the police to file a missing persons report and ask for help to locate her daughter. And the trend that we have seen in missing and murdered indigenous women cases is that they are always met with the same thing. They are likely partying, they might be sleeping off a hangover, come back in a few days. And that is exactly what Hannah's mother was told. Hannah's mother stated that it was a Thursday when she went to the police and that they said to her, if Hannah doesn't turn up on Monday, come back, then we'll do something. That's four whole days that somebody's loved one is missing. Time is crucial when you have someone missing. How do you wait a whole four days? I understand that Hannah's 21. I understand that it was a night of a huge celebration, but time is of the essence. So again, like we've heard in these missing and murdered indigenous women cases, Hannah's family decides to take the search for her into their own hands. With Lame Deer not being a huge area and everybody knows everybody, they went around and started questioning people who saw Hannah that night, if they had saw her with anybody, and the names of two people just kept coming up over and over. And it was a couple by the name of Garrett Wada and Eugenia Rowland. With Hannah's mom knowing that at this point it's in her hands to find her daughter, she goes to hunt these people down. She's not playing. She's going to find out who these people are where her daughter is, and if they've had anything to do with her disappearance. So she ends up somehow being able to track down what they did the night before. And they attended this bar in town. So she went to the bar, was asking the owner, did you see my daughter? Did you see these people? And he said, yes, I did see the people, but no, I did not see your daughter. She asked to see the surveillance tapes, and the owner actually lets her look at their surveillance video. And there is Garrett and Eugenia at the bar. But Hannah was not with them. Although Hannah was not with them on their surveillance tapes, Hannah's mom just had this gut feeling that Hannah was with them after the fact. She had that mother's intuition. And if you are a mother, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. The intuition you get about your children. So she was going to hunt these two down, and that's exactly what she did. She went from person to person. Have you seen Garrett and Eugenia? And somebody said yes, they're at the local grocery store right now. And keep in mind that this was just the very next day on July 4th after Hannah had went missing. 
She ends up locating Eugenia at the local grocery store. She walks right up to her and she says, Look, your name has been mentioned in connection with my daughter's disappearance as well as your boyfriend Garrett. Have you seen my daughter and where is she? Eugenia, of course, says, No, I don't know where your daughter is. I haven't seen her. But something is still off to Hannah's mom. That mother intuition comes back. And she tells Eugenia, If you've had nothing to do with my daughter's disappearance, then will you please get in my car, drive down to the police station with me, and give them a statement. When I was researching this, I was thinking, this lady is probably like, yeah, okay, not getting in the car with you. But somehow, Hannah's mom was able to convince Eugenia to get in the car and go to the police station with her. So she ends up driving to the police station with Eugenia. She goes in and she says to the police officer, look, this is the very last person that was seen with my daughter. I'm begging you to do an investigation. I'm begging you to question her to find my daughter. The police end up agreeing to question Eugenia, but it ends up being a pretty bullcrap questioning and they let Eugenia go. At this point, Hannah's mom is feeling extremely defeated. She went and tracked down the very last people her daughter was seen with, like manhunted them down, single-handedly brought one of the people to the police station, to the police, and they just let Eugenia go. And I kind of do understand it because, I mean, if there's really not any proof that Eugenia was with Hannah, I do kind of understand where the police just had to say, look, we can't hold her on anything. We have to let her go. But I also can still understand the pain of Hannah's mother. So even though Hannah's mom was feeling defeated, she was not going to give up on fighting her daughter. She was a fighter and she was going to figure out where Hannah was and what happened to her. So Hannah's mom and her family decide to go ahead and organize their very own search party. Tons of people come out to the search party. They're looking around for Hannah. They're really not having any luck. But guess who joins this search party? Eugenia and Garrett. You two have just been accused of being involved in Hannah's disappearance. Why in the hell are you at her search party? Hannah's mom gets wind from a friend that Eugenia and Garrett are at the search party and they are trying to get people to look in another direction. So first of all, you already look suspicious because you're at this girl's search party when you've literally been accused of her disappearance. And then you show up there and start telling people to look in another direction. So of course, Hannah's mom is super upset, but this brave woman walks right up to Garrett and Eugenia and she says, what the hell are you doing here? You two are the very last people to see my daughter and you have the audacity to show up here and try to get people to look in a different direction. Do you not understand how guilty that looks? And she told them they needed to leave. And they listened because guess what? Garrett and Eugenia fled the state of Montana. Not long after Eugenia and Garrett flee the state of Montana, as the search party was looking for Hannah, a close friend of the family ends up locating Hannah's body near the rodeo fairgrounds. According to the medical examiner on Hannah's case, Hannah's body was so badly decomposed even just after four days because it's July and it's hot, they were not able to determine a cause of death or even to be able to determine if Hannah was sexually assaulted. Her body was so badly decomposed, 
they were not even able to run a rape kit on Hannah. Not only is her family extremely saddened because they have found out that their loved one was murdered, but they're really heartbroken over the fact that they might not be able to get a conviction due to the fact that Hannah's body was so badly decomposed. Hannah's family really felt that if the police on the reservation took them seriously when they came there, although they would have found Hannah not alive, they could have at least found some type of DNA or been able to determine the cause of death to be able to get a conviction. But to the shock of Hannah's family, the police went right after Eugenia and Garrett for questioning. They ended up tracking down Garrett and Eugenia out of the state. The two of them were arrested. They were brought in for questioning. And when they were brought in for questioning, Eugenia ends up telling everything that happened to Hannah right away. Eugenia ends up telling the police that after the two of them left the bar, they did run into Hannah, they knew who she was, they wanted to hang out with her. So they all went back to their home and Eugenia says they were hanging out for a bit and then they all decided to go ahead and go to sleep. They were pretty heavily intoxicated and they just wanted to sleep off the alcohol. Eugenia stated in the middle of the night, she was awoken to Hannah's screaming bloody murder for help. Eugenia says she jumped up out of bed, she ran into the other room, and she saw her boyfriend, Garrett Wada, raping Hannah. Eugenia told police that she did try to stop Garrett, that she ran in there, pulled Garrett off of Hannah, and told him you need to stop hurting her. But Eugenia said at some point while she was pulling Garrett off of Hannah, Hannah started to swing on Eugenia. And Eugenia said she hit Hannah back, she blacked out, and she ended up beating Hannah to death when she blacked out. While I'm extremely glad that Eugenia admitted to murdering Hannah, her whole entire story just seems extremely off to me and I can't really put my finger on it, but something just seems off about her confession. Yes, obviously she did murder Hannah, but it just doesn't add up to me and something just seems totally off. Although Eugenia did end up admitting to murdering Hannah, and said that her boyfriend Garrett was raping Hannah. Garrett could not be charged for the rape of Hannah for the fact that her body was so badly decomposed they could not run a rape kit on her. And at this point, it's he said, she said. So even though Eugenia says, I walked in on Garrett raping Hannah, there's nothing the police can do because there's no proof to back it up. And it's horrible. I cannot imagine as a mother knowing that my daughter was sexually assaulted and my daughter is not going to get justice for her rape. Eugenia further tells police after she realized that she killed Hannah, she needed help from Garrett to dispose of Hannah's body. And that is when the two of them came up with the idea to put Hannah's body at the rodeo fairgrounds. Although Eugenia gave a complete confession on her involvement and Garrett's involvement, he never ends up confessing. And the entire time he says, no, we didn't have anything to do with it. Eugenia's wrong. We didn't see Hannah. We did nothing to this girl. Eugenia's statement was enough to get him charged with moving Hannah's body. It's so frustrating because Garrett ends up only being charged with just moving Hannah's body and he was only sentenced to 10 years in prison. I cannot imagine the pain Hannah's mother and her family felt knowing that this guy only will be serving 10 years, if that, for the involvement of her daughter's murder. 
Eugenia was charged with second-degree murder, and she was sentenced to 22 years in prison, and I hope that she ends up having to serve that 22 years. Because even though she did get charged with Hannah's murder, I still feel like Hannah and her family did not get full justice for the fact that Garrett is probably not even going to sit that entire 10 years. If you have not already, I highly encourage you to join a Crimeaholics podcast discussion group on Facebook or follow us on Instagram where I will have pictures of Hannah Harris. Hannah Harris was a beautiful, beautiful Native American woman and I highly encourage you to check out her pictures. Crimeaholics, as always, be aware and take care. (music) 